Back to a Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to be continuing a theme we began just the other evening regarding this very important thing that is going on in our society involving the hacking of our last election by the Russians. Now, many people have many different opinions about this. Is it true? Is it not true? Is there actual concrete evidence of this? Is it simply fluff? Well, these are all very good questions, and we, the people, deserve to actually have good, hard answers to these questions, clearly. And so we have invited back Gerald Sanders, who was our guest the other night, to talk about this. She has been involved in Washington, D.C. circles for decades at this point, and she's done business with the United States government. She understands the inner workings of government in a way that will help to shed some light on this subject. And we've also invited this time Jim Hurd, who is the founder of something called the Green Science Exchange, who is actually participating in a very interesting conference right now known as the Renaissance Conference. And he'll be speaking with us as he is hubbubbing with a number of interesting people there who are some of the movers and shakers of our, of our country. And we'll be putting our heads together here to try to understand what is going on and then to uncover it for you, the audience, and bring greater clarity and meaning to the subjects that are here at hand. And let me say that underneath this is a very important call to action in which we, a small team of us, have been involved in, which is... We're the ones who are doing the, uh, the heavy lifting, you could say, but it actually represents the voice of millions and millions of people who are deeply, deeply concerned about the fact that we have been hacked by a foreign power. And as of now, nothing has been done to stop the transition of power to someone who actually was not elected by the American people, but by, it looks like, a foreign power. Well, is this true? Is it not true? That's some of what we're going to be discussing, as mentioned, as well as a very powerful movement to provide the Supreme Court with a writ that would be filed perhaps even tomorrow, that would have the power to declare this election fraudulent, null and void, and therefrom to set up a new election. So those are the subjects we'll be dealing with today, and I look forward to hearing what our guests have to say. We also may be joined by Alexandra Chalupa, who was said to be one of the among the 16 most influential people in this past 2016 election. Alexandra has a background uh, that is very unique. Uh, she's Ukrainian and has been involved for decades in looking at the uh, politics, the internal workings of the politics of the United States and Ukraine, and has sort of had her finger on the pulse of what's been going on long before it has become nationally apparent to the number of people that it is now. So uh, we'll be waiting to hear if she's able to be joining us sometime during the show. So with that said, I want to just introduce uh, 
Joe Sanders, who we had on the other night. Thank you, Joe, for being with us, as well as um, Jim Hurd, who uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today, Joe. Great. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you great, for having uh, me as well, Mitchell. Yes. Yeah, great summary Jim, you just did of uh, the current uh, situation uh, and, the you know, obviously the the new news in the last four or five hours uh, that are uh, the airwaves are focusing yeah. on in, in relating to this. It's quite something. It's almost like we were riding a wave of news information, and I don't know if we we're actually uh, creating or we're following or we're pioneering it, but <laughs> some interesting synthesis is going on here, some synergy. So uh, we wanted to have you on, Jim. I know that you are part of a, a conference right now, that is dealing with some of these issues. So why don't you just weigh in a little bit here and tell us what you're seeing there and what your thoughts are based on the work that, uh, that Gerald Sanders, myself, um, and uh, Kirsten Elaine Martin, and a group of others, really distinguished people, are doing right now on the ground. Sure. Um, you know, just very briefly, I'll say that uh, it's inspiring the work that you all are doing to bring to light, I mean, the key issue here, I was just thinking to try to distill it down. And uh, one key thing that I see from today's news is the following question. How do we move uh, the call for a redo election, which Bob Baer called for um, on the 9th of, uh, of December or the 10th uh, after the big Washington Post piece? Uh, that really Bob helped Bear, bring this who is to the, the forefront. Uh, just identify who he is, as his, you know, with his CIA credentials, yeah. and the, he did sure. this on, uh, on CNN. Wrote, uh, two yeah. famous books, See No Evil and Sleeping with the Devil, about uh, the Islamic Brotherhood. His those books were the basis for the famous movie Syriana. He's uh, a mm. well-known uh, CIA uh, person who's been in the field for decades who retired and is uh, a well-known um, expert commentator on CNN and on other, other uh, uh, you know, uh, TV, yeah. uh, you know, networks. Yeah. So the, the key thing yeah. that it was struck me just five minutes ago is how do we move this out of the realm of what Democrats believe and, and how do we move this into the realm of bipartisan agreement, and that's been the absolutely fascinating thing to watch. When the, 12, when the December 9th <coughs> piece came out of the Washington Post, you then, two days later, had Lindsey Graham say, we need an investigation. And that was key because Mitch McConnell had kind of blocked any approval of bringing this stuff up before the election when Obama wanted to, but he didn't want to do it unless Mitch McConnell agreed with him. So you've got to read yes. that little piece in the Washington, that little part of the big story that came out December 9th. And, and, and then two days later, after Lindsey Graham and, 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 uh, and John McCain came out and said, we need to investigate this, then you yes. get Mitch McConnell saying, oh, we do need to investigate this. Um, he was kind of caught to some degree that it looked a little odd that he had been the one blocking uh, the uh, that report coming out before the election 
uh, it seemed from the the article. And then his wife is given an, a cabinet appointment, uh, seemingly unrelated, yeah. uh, two weeks later. So we need yeah. to watch. And today is like the next shoe after the December 9th um, is is specific things that move this out of the realm of of what Democrats believe is fair and what, uh, you know, moderate Republicans and Democrats and people who care about uh, if we have a democracy in this country. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, everything can, in its default position, fall into a partisan conversation. Uh, But we're seeking to arise above that (laughs) believe it or not and go beyond to the fundamentals of our democracy which is to describe and discuss the rule of law and when we lose sight of that we've lost sight of virtually everything that holds our democracy together and uh Gerald Sanders has been very involved in looking at this subject and she has really been uh the main architect, if you will, behind the construction of a narrative that could really help us get across the finish line with this and even why. So, Gerald, would you take a moment and uh, bring us up to speed here with what you have found as the gaping hole in our Constitution regarding new elections at a time of need such as now? Well, um Basically, um, the reality is if we had um, caught someone intervening in our elections, uh, uh, actually altering the totals uh, such that it it determined uh, a different election outcome than would have been determined had the voters only been the participants in the election, uh, we would not have had, we do not have, uh, a process to allow for a new election. So um, in addition to uh, attempting to, uh, to identify the fact that we had intervention, there's no, there's no debate about that. Um, the, the, the impact of the uh, intervention is not definitive. We don't know if, uh, if the interveners actually – uh, determined the election outcomes in favor of Donald Trump, or you know, we we don't know that. And in fact, um, I would just like to to say at this juncture that I think that's very important because I'm noticing that that is a discussion, a question that is always being posed. Um, did it change the outcome? Well, we know it was material intervention. And so, with that being said, we must have a new election because in this equation it's the people that matter and then it's also an issue of risk management where do we want to uh where do we want our exposure to lie do we want it to be with the possibility that the government that we have was actually selected by Putin or would we rather uh have a new election and then find out for sure, using a new voting process, which we would have to do, um, assure the citizens of our republic that this election and the results of the, the new election were determined by the people and not by a third party. Well, it strikes me as awfully – I mean, it's almost comical to think that 
what is considered to be the most robust democracy and leader among democracies in the world, the United States of America, would allow for their our elections to be hacked by and the president determined by a third party, a foreign power at that, and one who is, as of today, basically considered adversarial, at least today. Jim, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, as everybody said, this is uncharted territory. Uh, you know, uh, um, it's, uh, you know, but, you know, in a perfect world, we would have had clearer proof earlier on, but we're doing the best we can to make sure it was a fair election. And that's what we're all trying to work on right now. Well, it's funny. I mean, that you, you say that, and it's certainly a nice idea, and we all like to um, – fancy that we have fair elections, but there's been proof positive going back generations that they're not very fair at all. I mean, they're fair if you're white, but they're not so fair if you're a person of color, and that's been proven over and over again. So one has to bring some level of question. The work of Greg Pallast, as I was citing the other night, is uh, just one uh, gleaming example, glaring example of the kinds of idiosyncrasies and uh, problems that we've had in our own elections. But this is different. We've been well, uh, we've added a new dimension which is a foreign power and that's what has thrown everything off here. Yes? Yeah, I mean I would just throw in that um, is there a way for us to be somewhat surgical in our perspective about looking for specifics, like if you go and download the presidential decree that lists the, you know, 35 individuals or, you know, this, go in and download the FBI DHS report that came out today. Go look mm-hmm. at these specifics. Can we surgically identify certain things that happened that should not have happened and then say, to, uh, you know, to a group of all Americans, uh, you know, we, we, we need to think about whether this was uh, a, an election that's going to determine the, the future of our country. So I would just suggest that we uh, try to uh, really drill down like a laser into very specific things. And then one last thing I'll say is that, uh, you know, I've got to run in a minute or two, but, you know, part yes. of it is seeing what can come out of the intelligence community. If you read the December 9th article in the Washington Post, it said that McConnell uh, blocked uh, by request saying he wasn't going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, he didn't block it, but he said he wouldn't endorse Obama releasing this information. And the question has been, you know, what is in the intelligence community that hasn't been released yet? And so we saw some of that released today. So the question is, is there more that can be released, uh, you know, as we get closer to these, uh, you know, key days when the election uh, gets ratified? So, you know, uh, Gerald was talking about, I believe, that January 6th was a key day, and we might want to talk about that. Yes, so anyway, these absolutely. are the kinds of things we want to uh, be kind of surgical and, and to be very uh, fast strategic. And it's going to put yep. Donald Trump right now, today, in a fascinating position where he's just denied everything. And so uh, what, how is he going to deny all of this fact? It's, it's, it's uh, oh. 
quite quite uh, well, uncharted territory. Well, Donald you know, Trump is in the very... in the business of denying just about everything, so he's very good at it. <laughs> General, yes. Well, and they actually they've sort of uh, uh, positioned themselves on a on a uh, on a in a uh, on an argument that is very difficult to refute. In that uh, he will say, "Prove it." Okay, that's that's what his camp is saying. Prove to us that. Someone hacked the election and changed the results. And so I think the way that we need to frame this is that the elections are not about candidates. They're about the American people. And our founding fathers, mm-hmm. when they established elections, they knew that the people who were elected would be beholding to the people who elected them, just as we are already seeing that, knowing that Russia intervened and in, in probably and likely helped Donald Trump become president, um, you can see where he is reticent to actually even uh, uh, agree with the 17 intelligence agencies who have said the U.S. was hacked. So, the, right, the, and the, keep the, in mind one thing. Keep in mind one yes. thing. There may we haven't seen yet any repercussions for telling an untruth. Is there going to become an, a repercussion legally for Donald Trump if it can be proven that he is telling something that is not true? That's going to be an interesting uh, situation we're starting to watch. Yes. Um, well, yes, we want there is, to be consequences that, for sure. I'm sorry. Please go yes. on. Yes. Uh, no, I was just making the point that um, so when we go to the Supreme Court, one of the key questions that we must argue is that, again, the election is not about candidates. It's about the people. And look at the potential risk. This is about risk management. Do we, do we risk having someone who was placed in office by an adversary, or do we risk exactly. offending a segment of the American population and having a re-election in, in which circumstance we would do if Donald Trump is the, uh, is the real winner and he prevails again, then guess what? All these questions would not be circula- uh, 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 surrounding his presidency. But in, at the core of this, at the core of this is our union, the preservation of our union, and the right of the people of America to have the right to vote and elect our officials. Excellently put. Excellently. And so that's the point I, I was trying to bring forward here. I wanted to make this point to you, Jim. This isn't a partisan matter. Of course, the various parties will seek to make it that through their own self-interest. But our self-interest and the reason that we are taking the time and putting in the energy to do this is because it's nonpartisan. It is about driving home the importance of the preservation of the union and the uh, importance of democracy and maintaining its integrity despite the conversations that go on about the, the, the respective qualities of the candidates. That is completely secondary to the issues that are at hand. So, look, I know that you have to go, but I really appreciate your joining us for the length of time that you were able to. And also, you know, you're hubbubbing with a number of people that might be able to uh, be of some value to this mission. I mean, this is not ours. This is all of ours. This is the American people, no matter who you voted for. This is about as Gerald was putting it so well, the preservation of our nation. 
So I, I do right. think and, that and a you lot know, of people but feel just keep in mind about that. that. Yes, yeah. please. And, and just, uh, in fact, I think uh, Donald Trump just responded uh, in the last 30 seconds. It just came across the wire. But, uh, you know, uh, I think that, uh, in my opinion, it, when, when moderate Republicans join in on this is when we have a, a better chance of really making this something that can, can get uh, yeah. enacted. So that's just my, yeah. my, my personal approach. And uh, yes, I look forward yes. to, uh, you. Uh, you know, continuing on this. And thank you very much for having me. The conference I'm part of is sort of off the record kind of a thing that happens once a year, uh, you know, a, a leadership conference. So, you know, it's yes. a great time to brainstorm with people. You know, Jim, uh, I'm, you know, absolutely. I was actually in. I was supposed to be invited to that with a, a very dear colleague of mine a couple of years ago. And um, uh, I was told about it, and I was told that uh, myself and my dear colleague, who is an inventor of an electric motors, very interesting thing, were exactly the perfect kind of people for that conference. And yet I'm still waiting Great. here for my invitation. I'm all dressed up without a party to go to. So, <laughs> Well, uh <laughs> we'll compare notes on Jim that Lord. and uh you know the main thing is that uh, these are very important timely things that we're wrestling with right now and yeah. uh you know the the truth will will come out with a little bit of hard work from us all exactly please stay in touch with us and let's continue great. the dialogue thanks yeah, again thanks Jim. for having me have a great evening continue the fight you too yes thank you that's uh, Jim Hurd of Green Science Exchange doing some really good work, and uh, I hope he continues to share his good thinking and uh, contacts with us so we can uh, move this forward. Talking about moving things forward, Gerald, uh, we may have, I just want to mention again, another guest joining us, and that would be Alexandra Chalupa, and we're sort of a uh, waiting to hear if she shows up on my engineering panel. I'll know at some point or another, and uh, that would be exciting to have her on because she's been so outspoken and influential in many ways about this past election and would bring us to another depth of understanding the Ukrainian-Russian-U.S. relationship that apparently has been going on for some time. And one of our colleagues, uh, Kirsten Elaine Martin, has brought forward some of the articles that uh, has been, have been suggested by uh, Alexandra, such as one by David Korn. Gerald, were you, have a, were you able to have a chance to look that over? during today's um, busy activity? I have not. Um, okay. I have not. Okay. <laughs> well, what, basically what's being said is, and, you know, honestly, you and I should know about this, that this, what is going on now, has actually been a brew for years, that the uh, notion of um, make America great again was registered as some form of trademark up to about five years ago by Donald J. Trump. So what this gives us is some insight into the longevity and the planning that's gone behind 
behind the scenes, uh, what we're we've been experiencing over the last year and a half in this uh, election cycle. What are your thoughts about this? You know, I think that this uh, presidential cycle, um, election cycle, I should say, has has revealed to us a number of deficiencies in the manner in which we go about selecting elected officials. Uh, For example, uh, something that's particularly troubling to me is the FCC has truth in advertising, but we do not have truth in uh, truth in, uh, in 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 pursuing a, a presidency. I mean, people yes. can say anything in to a public who uh, you know have varying degrees of uh, educational attainment, and people rely on that information, believing it to be true, make very important elect electoral decisions based upon. Information and so um, that is a major failure. Uh, we see from the um, from the you know vast uh, financial empire that Donald Trump has amassed, and we've been relying upon people to voluntarily release their tax returns. Well, guess what? Yeah. That did not happen this time. So now there 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 are all these concerns about wondering where are the connections and trying to connect the dots. Well. If these things had been codified in law, then we would it would not be an option. So even yes. though our Constitution was drafted many years ago by some very brilliant uh, men, uh, this election cycle has shown us that we have some serious work to do at looking at this the presidential uh, election process. I mean, are people telling us uh, accurately characterizing educational? attainment and, and credentials and you know yeah. we it has just it has brought to light these flaws and in addition to addressing our um, the election process we need to look at this entire process and uh, ensure that our elected officials again in, introduce some new laws to make sure that we don't find ourselves in these positions again exactly well what you have identified and described as the gaping hole, which is to say that in the event that we are facing such a situation as we are now, unprecedented, no pun intended, is that we do not have a method, a legal mechanism by which to hold a new election. And it's just it just hasn't happened. We haven't been faced with that. Things have by and large gone according to certain accepted general protocols over the course of our, you know, 200 plus year history. But guess what? Now that's not the case. As you said, the sharing of the taxes, that's been going on since uh, I think the late 70s. Um, And it now with stories that are blatantly and flagrantly untrue about because he is going through an auditing process, he cannot show. Now, anyone does a momentary fact check to find out, eh, not true. But so interestingly, and the media has been completely corroborating with him and hardly throwing him any curveballs at all, let him get away with the stories over and over again about what his version of reality happens to be. 
has no bearing on the reality the rest of us are sharing. You know, that goes into, you know, his relationship with all of these women. It goes back to his business interests. I mean, I actually heard him say, Gerald, yesterday on national television, it's it's not a problem. He was standing there with Don King, the boxer manager. <laughs> um, he was saying, oh, this is simple. Meanwhile, he has some 500 or so separate interests, business interests spread throughout the entire world. Ah, that won't be a problem. Can you imagine what it would take to, sh- to sell off or somehow consolidate or put into a blind trust or what disengage from 500 distinct respective business interests of magnitude, no less. So we're constantly being in an Orwellian kind of way it's all doublespeak. Let me put it that way. It's all doublespeak. But, you know, I don't want to go too far down a partisan pathway here because that's actually not the issue. But it is – the whole situation is exacerbated by the sea of lies and deception in which we've all been swimming as a result of a nearly two-year duration uh, just horribly. It's like – can you imagine being pregnant for 16 months? <laughs> And I think, you know, the the beauty of this, there there are some good things about this. I'm 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 always committed to process because I say I firmly believe that process controls outcomes. If yeah. you have the right process in place, if it's a quality process, no matter what process it is, if it's a flawed process, you're probably going to have flawed uh, flawed outcomes. If you have a very mm-hmm. refined quality process, you're going to have quality outcomes. And what this process has revealed are major flaws, not only in our process of, of uh, vetting candidates or in uh, uh, candidates, but also in our election system. Here we are um, at an election night in there are all of these anomalies. It was amazing to me to see how um, the day following the election, no one, no pollster could explain it. Donald Trump's uh, uh, posters the, the, on his campaign were missed by they the They couldn't results. explain it either. No one could explain it. And I always tell people that if you have a private a personal computer and if you've ever had uh, uh, some uh, sinister bug or whatever, you'll notice that very strange things begin to happen. Your mouth doesn't function as it should, or, you know, your screen blinks. There's all these anomalies. And that's exactly what happened in this election. And then what you watched was the news, uh, uh, the broadcasters, in their quest to keep, keep, keep moving forward towards the transition of power. Right. They then, you know, just capped that particular discussion of, man, this was, this, these were strange happenings and instead began to try to explain them away. Oh, we need to examine the, 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 the the, uh, polling methodologies that have been effective for 20, 30 years. It was rather comical to watch. And in the end, what we we have, and then and then the information really began to come out about the hacking and the involvement of third parties. Well, we all felt inherently 
I think the majority of the American public that something just wasn't quite right. And as the CIA and FBI began to reveal this information, we became increasingly alarmed. And some of us decide mm-hmm. to, to do something about it. And, and that is why we are basically discussing this today with a plan. We have a pathway to a new election because it was our, it was our like I said, our instinctual uh, 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 awareness that this election was not the result of the American people, but even more importantly, a third party intervened, and the second that party intervened, our elections became contaminated, and we were deserving of new ones. And so that's where we stand tonight. We are insisting Absolutely. upon new elections by, uh, with hand-counted paper ballots for this particular cycle uh, with an intent to go before the U.S. Supreme Court with a writ of mandamus uh, asking the court to uh, it permanently enjoin, prevent the U.S. Congress uh, from ratifying the electoral vote, and we want to prevent uh, Vice President Biden, who is the president of the Senate, from actually um, uh, 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 ratifying the yes the 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 congressional leaders who were who won in in 2016, who were elected exactly. Well, well I, yeah. I like to use the word selected because that's a bit more accurate. But, yes, your your points are well made here, Gerald. And so you could say that we have a, a several-tiered um, to-do list, if you will. So just for the listening audience to really understand uh, what has been put together here is a uh, an extraordinary – for an extraordinary moment in our history, opportunity to challenge the results of the election. This is beyond partisanship. This has to do with process, as you were saying. It has to do with structure of our voting systems from the way the ballots are counted all the way up to who gets to hack and the fact is, no one gets to hack. I mean, my God, there are hackers coming in from all over. Some of them are domestic. It's a scary situation. There was an article stating that there was Homeland Security hacking that was identified taking place in Georgia. What is that about? We are Absolutely. in trouble. We are in trouble as a nation. Transparency has not been the theme of this administration, despite what has been uh, put out at the beginning when uh, Senator Obama was running for office, and there have been more whistleblowers, unfortunately, jailed. This is truly problematic. At the same time, we also acknowledge that there have been many good things that have come. We have a president who recognizes the power of climate science, and the truth of it, and for which I am grateful. And uh, we have many things to be grateful about here. Um, in addition, currently, to bring it up to speed, we are facing this, this anomaly. And I feel, Gerald, that you and uh, this team has done much to clarify the field and to come up with a course of action 
that's explicit. And in fact, if anyone listening would like to be uh, helpful and you are an attorney or if you live anywhere near the Supreme Court, we have two distinct but possibly interrelated activities. One, we could use some assistance in the completion of the draft of the writ of Mandamus, as you were Mandamus, I'm sorry, that you were citing earlier, Gerald. And we need someone, and it could be the very same person, to walk it over to the court to file it tomorrow. In fact, one of our team members has raised some capital and uh, has the uh, the filing fee already handled. So we're making definite progress. But truly, um, a constitutional lawyer or uh, any attorney with experience with the Supreme Court or one who is ambitious and inspired by what it is we're talking about, wants to come forward and be of assistance, please contact us, me at 212-420-0800 or mjr at betterworld.net or Gerald, would, whoever it is to be contacted is fine. What would you like to add to this? I would like to add that um, I just want everyone to really grasp the severity of what we're facing. We are looking and staring at the possibility that in a very real possibility, maybe even the probability that a foreign adversary actually invaded our election systems and invaded our election processes and materially affected the outcome materially and who will our president elect be beholden to would venture to say it would be the the person who is responsible for putting him in office now again there will be many people who will be very upset by a decision by the supreme court to to actually permanently enjoin the election results, thereby leading to a new election. But if you have to weigh the risk, would you rather have a new election or would you rather have a president-elect that was probably placed in office by a third party, likely Russia, our adversary, And would you like to ensure that there is a process going forward, just in the event that maybe it's ISIS next time who hacks our elections? Wouldn't you like to see a process whereby we are not forced to accept a person who is placed or selected, as as Mitchell likes to say, by someone else? Wouldn't you like the option of saying, we are not accepting that. We want a new election. That is what we are working for. We are working for two things. We're working to, um, over, to hold a new election in light of all of the in, in invasions of our election systems. And number two, we are working to put in place an ongoing process so that we will never find ourselves having to 
uh, uh, appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court at the last hour like this in order to um, right a wrong that was perpetrated upon the American people. And that's who it's all about. Make, make no doubt about it. Our politicians are wealthy enough and they're accomplished enough that if they are not president, their lives will go on. But we will be affected by the policy of the next president for decades, and we must know that we elect person who will take us into the future. Absolutely. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. And, again, you're continuing to make a distinction between um, the, the world of politics and the world of law. And this, of course, is represents the different branches of government. I mean, you know, they have become fused over time, and the judicial branch has unfortunately become very politicized. And I think that this is what we're trying to tease out to some extent in these dialogues, Gerald. Uh, we have to remove the political nature from the judicial because well, the, the judicial will be consumed and subsumed by the political. That's how powerful political forces are, because underneath political forces are very strong economic forces. And this is where people express some of their highest aspects, but God knows many of the lowest. And we have a world where we have starving children across our own country, the richest country in the world, as an expression of how sick people get when it comes to the making of money and the hoarding of it, which the 1% story is a clear example of. So not to go too far afield, but this all is of a piece when we look at the larger picture of the way power is managed on the political, domestic, and international scene. Your comments? You know, yes, you, you make an interesting point. Uh, our, often we complain that the judiciary has become political. Uh, in, this, in this scenario, what we have is a silent judiciary. And yes. because we are resting our claim. Uh, in our petition for uh, a writ of man, uh, writ of mandamus on uh, the guarantee clause of the Constitution, um, what the court has held with respect to this guarantee clause is that essentially it is political in nature. Its remedies, I should say, would be political in nature, and it is not in the position of of rendering political remedies, which is very true. Uh -huh. But uh -huh. the problem here is that we definitely need the court to get involved based upon this clause because here is the interesting scenario here. You have, a, you have the, the House executive branch, you have the Senate that will be under Democratic control. And we can already see that I'm, – I'm sorry, under Republican control. Republican. We can already see – that the Republicans are, even those who are not, uh, who, are, who don't personally like Donald Trump, they like the idea that they are 
um, now controlling the three branches of government and that they can push their agenda forward. The Democrats, however, are rather silent about this matter because so they don't want it to look that look as if they are being political uh, because the, the by challenging the election. There you go. There you go. So yeah. what you have yeah. is the political uh, aspect of our government is superseding. Um, exactly. the le- it's causing the, legisla- the legis- legislators to supersede, to, I'm sorry, to place their uh, emphasis more on the political side than they are the union itself. And so exactly. if ever we have needed the U.S. Supreme Court to weigh in, it's now. Otherwise, the political aspect is, will rule without being counterbalanced by the judicial branch. And so that is why. We believe it is absolutely incumbent upon the U.S. Supreme Court to render a judgment impeding the House and Senate and the executive branch's ability to seat newly elected officials. We need the counterbalance of the judicial branch so that we can have a new election and so uh, so that the preservation of the union can supersede the party interest. You know, you're hitting on a salient point here, Gerald, which is something that just goes on generation after generation. And again, I'm just going to dip in for a moment that when Obama first became president, the Republican blowback was so severe. Well, party leaders of the Republicans met in, I believe it was North Carolina, and they put their heads together. Uh, I feel like I want to make a wisecrack at that moment, but I'm going to I'm going to uh, <laughs> control myself. Um, and uh, they made a they made a categorical decision that they were so unhappy, in my view, that a black man became president. Uh, you know, the unspoken story, that they decided that at every turn, no matter what, even if it was favorable to the Republicans, they would veto any proposal the Democrats put forward. Just ipso facto deny anything that came to their desk from the White House, from the Oval Office. I mean, can you think of anything that is less American than doing that, of less standing for the judicial process and having judicial process altogether, even in the body politic. They just decided to repudiate, and it has led to a very messy situation. And even though I did not vote for Obama, I've been voting for third-party candidates myself for a long time because I believe the duopoly, as Ralph Nader would say, has been sinking our ship for the longest time. And if you look at the history of, of the elections, you'll see that there has always been the presence of third and fourth and fifth parties. But due to media and money, They've been marginalized over and over again, and no one has ever actually won the presidency. They've won other offices, of course. Bernie Sanders is one of the more recent example, big examples of an independent winning the Senate. 
um, and even I think his uh, mayoral uh, election in um, uh, the capital of Vermont and the governorship. In any event, uh, this whole it, this just begs for review and recasting and disidentifying from party allegiances enough to actually allow a republic to grow and for democracy as well to flourish. And self-interest at the end of the day is the thing that chokes it all up. And I feel you are asking us, and I am too, for us to step out of those partisan, self-interested positions. And I feel actually Jill Stein did that in some measure when she stood forward to help with the recount. Now, she wasn't going to win if the recount showed that there were issues, and she knew that. But that didn't stop her from wanting to come and stand on the side of creating a greater measure of fair play and justice. And whoever it was who did that, and there were many people who did, Greg Palast for another, we're doing something that we're talking about doing right here, which is inviting, giving the Supreme Court to adjudge this so that this election will be seen for what the CIA said it was, which was hacked by a foreign power and swayed by a foreign power. So the question becomes, as you put it before, Gerald, is it going to be the United States, the American people, that are putting a president into office? Or is it going to be a foreign power that puts the president into office? So that's the question. Look, I wrote a letter to President Obama while very politely but rather firmly demanding that he stand up in his position, contact the Supreme Court for a ruling on the subject. I'm sorry? I you said very letter. I did, I said it was an excellent letter, and and we're oh, very you. happy that you sent that. Um, hopefully, he will respond. Uh, you know, our elected officials have become. Uh, I I've had in working with um, uh, my nonprofit. I've had opportunities to lobby on on the hill, and I think the American people, just as we're doing now, we have to become more involved in the process. Again, yeah. if, you know, control the process, control the outcome. If you're not, if you're not taking part in helping to monitor and develop the process, then you will be on the outside. And, and, and for example, uh, many people actually think that recounts can um, can actually identify uh, elections that where there has been malfeasance or uh, tampering. And in many states, such as in the state of Michigan, the laws on the books are such that you can't even really actually recount the ballot. So the time to get an election right is the day of the election. By having the proper safeguards in place, by having the proper uh, verification uh, mechanisms in place, and so in addition to uh, in addition to bringing this matter before the court, we are hoping that um, obviously we, we will be facing some time constraints, but we are hoping that we can at least have the court 
provide a framework of minimum standards that must be present in order for elections to be considered compliant with the mandates of the U.S. Constitution. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. I think it would only be fair for us to really acknowledge that more and more information is coming forward about, you could say, the antecedents to all that has taken place in what we're referring to as a hacked election. You know, uh, as I said, the Make America Great Again was trademarked. Uh, This has come out in national news by Donald Trump going back some five years. Uh, Relationships with the Russian government. You know, I happen to have been born, I mean, I'm, I'm American, but my ancestors are Ukrainian. So I have a special affinity for Ukraine and even Russia. Um, and I, I'm all for peacemaking. And uh, I also think, honestly, that uh, Putin has been given some very bad press here that isn't all deserved. I really feel that way. He's been demonized the way the United States government loves to have someone to demonize, from Saddam Hussein to, you know, uh, um, it goes on and on and on. I don't have to open that up right now, but the United States government with its military-industrial complex seems to work best when they have a few enemies at hand, and that's just unfortunately the way things go, and many of us have been trying to do something about that as well for decades. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, despite uh, some misalignment, I think, that has happened in the press and in Congress about Russia and the Russian government, um, it could well be, and it looks like it is the case, that uh, there has been malfeasance uh, behind the scenes that's been actually in process. And even the selection of Rex Tillerson, who has a very close relationship with Putin, um, was no mistake at all. And, I mean, here's a guy who doesn't have any experience at all in, um, in uh, governmental affairs yet. Look at this choice. So when you start adding it all up and looking at all the various facets of the diamond, Gerald, it starts to not look that nice of a diamond. It starts to really look like there's been something at play, at work, for a long time building up to this moment. And I want to go back to a point you made earlier about the pollsters and how shocked they were. I mean, I think it's 537. I mean, these guys have algorithms that are rather sharp, you know, and it's a little scary at how sharp they are, you know, Absolutely. And, and all of them were completely thrown. And it's just, as you were saying before, a piece of information we should not simply look askance at. We should really digest all the information in the field and see that, as we say, something smells in the state of Denmark, no offense, Denmark, or something (laughs) is up in River City, you know. I want to take a moment and say that we're, we're, we're also looking to fund this operation, and we have a GoFundMe uh, kind of uh, account. Let me see if I can find the details. Um, I want to just share that with you all because uh, we have some of the cost of this covered, thankfully, and there are other aspects of it that are not. So to the extent that we can 
reach out to you and ask for some help for this effort to set the record right and straight by having Americans, I know it sounds funny, Americans determine who their president should be instead of a foreign power. That's what we're up to here. You know, it's very simple, in fact, right, General? It's very simple. It's not really complex, though it has many, many complexities. And, and you know, uh, Mitchell, I want to let the audience know that there are a – there are many people who are working with us. Uh, uh, Mitchell, you have been enormously uh, uh, helpful, and you're connecting us with people that uh, we need to connect with. We have uh, Chris, uh, Kirsten uh, Elaine Martin, who works from morning Indeed. tonight, uh, just corralling everyone to uh, Starting make at 4 a.m. I don't know how yes, she does it. Yes. <laughs> Yes, Kelly Finholz and, and Hazel Henderson, and I could go on and on and on. It's very but true. I say that to say that these are people who are giving of their time because they they are concerned about our democracy. We are right now planning a future for our children, our children's children, and you know we all have a part a part to play in this, and so. Yeah. Uh, and, and to just let the listening audience just know some of the things that are going on, you know, we have a press campaign. So if you have press skills, uh, we certainly can use your help. We have people who will begin um, expressing their uh, uh, um, their outward uh, through protests, et cetera, their, their outrage at the, the thought of uh, prospect of having a president-elect whom they feel was not elected by the people. So there are a lot of people who are preparing to really show their disgust with this process and to call for a new election. So whatever forum you're in, if it's so, if you are on social media, hashtag new election, we want people to join us and to just determine that you're going to draw a line in the sand and that you're going to demand a new election. That's the minimum. We are entitled to given all that the information that we've received from these 17 intelligence agencies and consultants uh, who serve the government. Our election is unreliable, and we deserve to have an election whereby we know that our vote was counted and the person that we call president was elected by the people and not by a third party such as Putin. Well, yeah, this is so well said, and I'm so glad you gave a shout-out to those people that have been so instrumental in in bringing this forward. Kirsten Elaine Martin, uh, so notably, um, as well as <laughs> Kelly. Uh, these are people that have just been on the conference calls with us, you and me, uh, daily now for uh, some time in doing all that we can to uh, make something happen, and I want to just give the um, GoFundMe uh, link to you all. It's www. of course GoFundMe. dot com forward slash new election, as you said, and any help because this is this is going to be ongoing. I mean, we do have a deadline tomorrow, so any attorneys who are listening in, and I want to. Uh, there was reference that Kirsten made specifically to. Um, Clint Curtis and Associates in Florida that stepped up to the plate um, on behalf of a of a uh, 
a mission similar to this, and at the last moment we're able to get papers filed at the Supreme Court, and uh, that is just fantastic, and they will be given another opportunity to do so if they would like to uh, tomorrow, <laughs> preferably at 9 a.m., but if it has to take a few more hours, we understand. Not a problem. I mean, I've reached out, you know, to such uh, wonderful people as Ralph Nader and uh, Martin Garbus today, and uh, still waiting to hear back. But there are lawyers who I also want to make a shout out to those lawyers who are just budding, who are aspiring to do some meaningful work uh, on behalf of the com- of the country, on behalf of. Uh, dealing with the Supreme Court. This will be a chance to really kind of uh, get your chops in place here. The other point about this, uh, because we could use a lawyer, although we have a plan B, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, Even if you were to stand up and come forward now to help us with the drafting of the writ, uh, a lot of which Gerald has already laid out, quite honestly. So the work needed has been somewhat minimized. And you were willing to file it, but did not want to continue with the case. That's okay, too. We will by then have a team of lawyers who would want to be have their names associated with what it is we're doing here, because this is big. And it's important. Absolutely. And it stirs people on the level of heart. And that's the kind of man or woman we're looking for. General? Absolutely. We are um, working to protect our union. If we allow this election to stand, there's absolutely, absolutely nothing to prevent ISIS from uh, dictating the outcome of our next election or Putin from dictating uh, that perhaps he wants uh, the same candidate to serve another four years. So, you know, so often... And the midterm uh, election as well. And the midterm election, we have a... Absolutely. As you were saying... Absolutely. As, as you absolutely. were saying before, Gerald, we're looking at process and we're looking at structure. And everything adorns that, if you will. And we know that the issues around cybersecurity are truly among the largest around. And in fact, wars are being right now, and this is in some level a war, right now in cyberspace, and it's a little cheaper than tanks and armament, but it is a form of tank and armament, and it's taking place right here, right now, between all of the major countries in the world, and I happen to know some of this because I helped to start a cybersecurity company a few years back and of a very, very high level. And I have been privy to understanding some of the mechanisms involved. And, oh, believe me, the average rank-and-file American does not have a clue of what's going on and where a lot of money is being spent. But there are ways to know things in advance and to prevent hacks from happening. And that is just something that needs to happen. At the same time, I really want to say that this to me is, you know, as Yogi Berra said, deja vu all over again. Because from my point of view, uh, the American people did not elect the president in the year 2000 either. They were so, that person and that team was selected uh, 
and I'm not going to open up that whole can of worms, but I would refer anyone to the book by Greg Pallast, investigative journalist who used to work for the United States government investigating racketeering cases, RICO cases, way back, and worked for the BBC as an anchor for many years and wrote a book called The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. And so it's not that we think that we have some kind of clean slate here in the U.S. of A, because it is not clean. It's dirty. It's stained. It needs a huge amount of um, mental, emotional rehaul and uh, reformation, (laughs) transformation, literally. So it's not that we're just pointing the fingers at externals, but when we do get hacked by a foreign power, everybody sits up and takes notice. And that's exactly what we're doing right here. Absolutely. Unprecedented. Unprecedented, uh, and it demands an unprecedented response. And I want to make, uh, make it clear, I don't want anyone to be confused, that what President Obama announced today was an act of retaliation or retribution against Russia for the hacking of U.S. elections, which also is interesting because there's an acknowledgement, okay, with that exactly. act. But Will you in please state what that, did happen for those who might not have heard from the news cycle, what happened today, because today okay. is an extraordinary day in respect to all we're okay. saying. I've had a, a, an interesting day myself, so I've not been uh, able to really um, to read the news to the degree but, that I would have liked. But basically, the uh, certain Russians were identified as having been responsible for the hacks and were ordered out of the United States. And so, um, uh, again, uh, the, that is the extent of, of what I was able to, to glean thus far. But what yes. that acknowledgement, what that does, again, is it acknowledges that it happened. And so yes. even though that is a response, and I don't know if there are other, um, other acts that Obama or plans that Obama has to, uh, intends to carry out uh, in conjunction with the ouster of those, um, of those uh, Russian, uh, Russian hackers. Diplomats. What, yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I think that were they diplomats? I know they were the hackers as well. Well, this, actually, this here, I have oh, the, the, the one of the many articles this is from the Mirror. U.S. expels 35 Russian diplomats after campaign of harassment as relations between countries get even worse. That's what. Okay. And so, okay. yeah, just to buttress my, my, what you're saying. Yes. Again, I had a little emergency today, so I haven't been able to uh, glean as much as I would like, but. Um, and yes. having, having said that, what we absolutely must remember is that that does not redress the wrong that was perpetrated upon the American people when our vote was stolen. So we, yes. must, still, we must still address that issue. And that issue can only be addressed by giving us another opportunity to vote without the intervention of Russian hackers or any other right third party. And so, uh, um, you know, the bottom line is our state fiduciaries, secretaries of states, have been playing loose with elections for decades. So 
I definitely want the listening audience to know again, I want to emphasize that when we take our uh, petition of writ of mandamus to the Supreme Court, we also hope and intend to have the court issue a framework that will address some of these long standing problems such as not being able to do a, a valid recount in the state of Michigan. Most people do not know that. I know that because I've had an experience in the state of Michigan. You cannot recount an election because of we the We ran law for of mayor Michigan. of Detroit. Yes. You know and the law flat out firsthand. Yes. Right. It, it, and, and I'd like to explain that to the listening audience. You, Please. Um, the, 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 yes. Uh, on election night, uh, the, the poll book, the book, um, and a case are locked into uh, a, 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 um, a, a small locker box, is locked into, sealed into a case. And that information is, for, is done, that is done for each precinct. At the time of a recount, which I, I, I mean, I'm, I was actually present for this. At the time of the recount, you, you take the poll book out, you verify that the seals that were placed on this small uh, locker case, that those seals match and that the number of ballots in the ballot box matches the number of signatures in the poll book. If, those, if those, those, that information does not match, then you are required by law to take all of those, the poll book, the locker case, you are to put it back into the sealed bag, and then it reversed whatever the totals were on election night. And that we saw that beginning to unfold when Jill Stein commenced to recount in the city of Detroit. And in fact, the city of Detroit clerk, whom I've really taken to task, and I will say mm-hmm. publicly all over the country, is engaged in just rampant voter fraud. Um, she uh, basically claimed, and there, there are news articles stating that there were over half of the election machines were supposedly malfunctioning on election day. Now, these kinds of uh, accounts are pretty commonplace. Uh, we hear of them all of the time. And so we are hoping that in bringing this case, in having the Supreme Court address, uh, address this issue in the context of the Guarantee Clause, that we can get the court, again, to provide a basic framework that will put to rest all of these practices that are meant to deny voters their right, cast their vote, and have it counted. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You helped to outline some of the severity of the situation, and it is so problematic. And as you said, it's, 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 it's sort of it, it's systemic is what it is. There has been uh, voter suppression, voter fraud, um, and that only got worsened with the introduction of computers, of uh, computerized voting machines. And I remember hearing uh, a couple of uh, experts who knew, you know, the programmers, who knew how these worked, and they worked for the companies that had the machines, of how easy it is to flip the vote. And I heard them talking about this back in the year 2000, and then again in 2004. 
four when John Kerry ran, and the way they it was two votes for Kerry would equal <laughs> one vote for Kerry and two votes for Bush. I mean, it, it's sort of like you know, meeny meeny miny mo. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's like being in Vegas or something. I mean, it just it it just is really technically easy to do and those who can do and we're stuck with the results and i think that we have a world that looks the way it does because we've gotten stuck with the results <laughs> that's a, an opinion of course but that's how i feel Absolutely. i want to take a moment and say that uh we had a uh, a very interesting conversation with a gentleman from protectourelections.org Brett today who introduced us to his partner Brad Friedman who was also going to be a possible participant in today's roundtable but apparently we were not able to arrange it by the time we uh, were getting on the air so that may happen on another occasion but this group protectourelections.org has do, has been doing a tremendous amount of good work in this domain Gerald that you are speaking about here of dealing with voter fraud and the like and bringing these things to the surface now i mean i perhaps very naively say in a democracy where people really want to have a democracy why would they allow self-interest to supersede um process you know it's just you know when you i look i grew up a little bit as a jock so you you when you play sports you win some you lose some but if you cheat to win it takes all the fun out of the game it's not well, winning the winner gets the spoils and 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 if you think about it um this is a competition if wherever there's competition uh, people uh, people violate the rules to win. We see it in the Olympics. We see it in baseball with steroids, and uh, we see it in card games with marked cards. We see it in uh, with die. You know, people have a weighted dice, and you know, so you it is the nature of people to do what it takes to win, and that is what we're looking at right now. We're looking at our publicly elected leaders highest leaders in the nation and the Republican Party who know that there was a hacking of the U.S. election and even some benefited in their own races from using that information, they are reluctant and unwilling to say that we need a new election. And some are even unwilling to say that, to acknowledge that our 17 intelligence agencies have said that it was Russia who hacked America. So, again, um, it is just inherent. Uh, it's an inherent part of the competition competitive process on the part of flawed men and women that they are unwilling to uh, abide by the rules if it means that they are actually not provided an advantage. So they want the advantage, they want to win, and they'll do anything to make that happen, including, act, including uh, com, uh, complying, acting as a com, uh, complicity, uh, complicit, complicit with right. Russia. Exactly, complicit right. with Russia. Isn't that interesting? That's to the, the, 
that's how far they would the Republicans, I guess, would go. That doesn't sound very nice to say. But in well, fact, well, where is Paul Ryan with all of this? Do you know? I thought uh, he came out he, early on and denounced any involvement of the Russians uh, and was extremely upset. I'm just going by memory from one of the first reports. Do you remember anything? Uh, he has. Uh, he has not. Uh, he has not gone to the extent that President Obama has. He has, you know, he has acknowledged it, but that that there were ha- You know, there was hacking, but um, nothing. At, not as strong as it should be. Um, not nothing like it should be. And so right. we. And, and and here's what we need to understand. I'm absolutely confident that had the shoe been on the other foot, had it been the Democrats, we may yes. well be watching the same same exact uh, process play out. So, again, yes. I think it is the nature of uh, the, the political process. I think our forefathers saw that when they framed the checks and balances, and that's why we need the counterbalance of the court. We need the U.S. Supreme Court to weigh in and to balance this out because right now, again, uh, everyone is acting in the interest. All of our leaders are acting within the interest of their parties, and the American people in large part are doing the same. Right. But also, overall, ultimately, when there's a breakdown in integrity of a system, everyone suffers. So we would all be the loser I don't believe winning is – I don't think that's winning. I mean, I'm a longtime tennis player and paddle tennis player, and we uh, – I can just say I wish that people in politics were as honest as my friends on the court. <laughs> that's all. It would change We things. need you to run for office, Mitchell, because <laughs> we do need people there like that. But believe me, they oh, are increasingly <laughs> become few. They're becoming few, yes. They are. But let's review this before we close here, Gerald. Let's just review where we are in a very kind of practical and logistical way, which is to say that uh, on the 3rd of January, uh, the president of the Senate, in this case, Vice President Joe Biden, who I need to write a letter to, I started it at about 9.30 a.m., and still haven't gotten to it yet because of the busyness of the day, Um, not having to do with my work, but having to do with this, uh, which is, you know, of course, so, so vitally important, as we all agree, Uh, will be ratifying or is set to ratify the newly elected senators. However, if we succeed or no, we will succeed in filing a writ of mandamus tomorrow to the Supreme Court, whether we have the help of a lawyer or it's going to be us alone, we just need someone on the ground in Washington. I believe you know someone who could do that. Is that correct? I know a number of people in Washington, D.C., but ideally we need to find a, we want a lawyer to do it. Yes, I do, to answer your question. We definitely do. Yes. We definitely yes. want a lawyer to be able to write the writ and submit file. 
However, in the case, we do not have that. We have a plan B, folks, and that is basically general. We'll be stepping up to the plate. You've already drafted a good portion of it already. We, will, we have editors among us, including myself. We will get it done, and then we'll have to identify someone who would be willing to walk over there during their lunch break and file. Now, I hope it's as simple as that, and we do have someone uh, who is willing to uh, foot the $300 filing fee, which is fantastic, and uh, so forward we go. So that should, if we, are, if we are effective, stop the process of ratification because there has been an injunction, and that will then reverberate into the general election, and that would put and uh, start a nullification process, if all goes as expected, of the general election results due to foreign power hacking and swaying of the results and the call, as you said, for a new election. Yes. Is that the well, trajectory? We to, yes. We basically want to suspend all processes in this uh peaceful, quote, transition of power. I like to say of power to whom. But um, we want to suspend yes. the process and give the Supreme Court the opportunity to weigh in and determine if the senators and, uh, and, and House members uh, elected in the 2016 election and the president-elect elected in the vice president if they can be seated or if they should not be seated. We are contending they should not be seated because a third party materially affected our election outcome. So that is what we want. And if the Supreme Court, we believe they will, we strongly believe that they will, will weigh in, that they will uh, determine that the election's are unconstitutional because they are not reflective of a Republican form of government. In essence, perhaps and very strongly, it is believed that someone else determined and materially affected election outcomes. And what that would do is create a stalemate whereby no House or Senate or President-elect or Vice President can take office, thereby necessitating that the current Congress and the President develop a process, and set dates for holding new elections. Now, it's very important to emphasize that we have all seen all we need to see almost on all candidates. And in this scenario, we would begin with the primary elections and only the individuals who vied for office in 2016 would be allowed to run again. So there would not be new candidates. We would start at the primary process have an election, and then maybe two months later have another general election and then determine who the president is. So this should not take a lot of time except for to define the process that would be used for the election because, of course, we can't use the same voting machines, et cetera, that have produced the result that we currently have. We will prob uh, uh, probably, and I foresee, I think I would personally prefer that we go to at least for this process, completely do it with paper ballots, hand counted in observable settings where the public can be there to watch in full view. 
from your mouth to the Supreme Court's ears. That's what I can say, my dear. So, <laughs> yes, that should be the way it is. That should be the way it is. I would like to see some legislation that would like England, mimic England, and have a, a two to three month, one to three month voting uh, election cycle. I think that would be to everyone's um, greater benefit and greater sense of sanity. <laughs> but we'll Absolutely. deal with that down the road. Listen, General Sanders, I want to just thank you so much again for all of your valuable input to this process and for making this become a material reality. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Mitchell, for all you're doing. And to, again, Hazel, Kirsten, and Kelly, and and Jim, and just uh, the, all, of the, the, uh, uh, all of the people who are out working so hard. And we thank you so much. And uh, we're Absolutely. just looking forward to um, getting, the, getting it done. That's right. That's right. So, again, just to say to all of the listening audience, If you are an attorney and find uh, any part of this inspirational and reaching your heart and soul and want to really take an active role in this, we invite you in to do so. Uh, We do believe there will be a team of attorneys once we get this kind of filed and in motion because it's going to become increasingly exciting and people will want to be associated with it. That's simple. Uh, people like Lori, as uh, Gerald was saying, they like to be on the winning side. I understand myself as well. Uh, and in any event, it's, it's truly a um, a deep uh, kind of soul and heartening kind of work that we're doing here that can really help to sustain our democracy. That's the kind of work we are. So please come back to us with your... Um, your resume, no, you don't need to submit a resume, I'm kidding, (laughs) just to come back to us with your affirmative interest, and we will go from there. You can contact me at 212-420-0800 or by email mjr at abetterworld.net, or I actually have Kirsten Elaine Martin's phone number right here. Also, I will put that out, 917 523-9163. Again, 917-523-9163. And we will get you enjoined in our activity. That activity means the completion of the writ of mandamus tomorrow, earliest in the day as possible. Uh, And Gerald has already drafted a number of the key points for it, so your work will be minimized, and then someone to then file it, and no worry, the fees will be covered. Also, last time to say that anyone who wants to um, make any donation, go to uh, gofundme.com forward slash new election, because that's what we're setting our sights on here. Again, Gerald. Thanks again for joining me, and I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you, Mitchell, for having me. Absolutely. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. I want to just thank you all for listening and being part of this difficult but exciting time. You know, as 
Nietzsche said, if it doesn't kill you, it builds character. So that's what we're hoping for among everyone involved, and there are many. So a big shout-out to all involved, Hazel Henderson and all of our dear friends and colleagues who are part of this good work. And uh, so remember that a abetterworld.tv is where you can sign up for our free newsletter. We have a weekly TV show in Manhattan as well that can be seen on that same website, abetterworld.tv. And please remember that we ourselves are a nonprofit. We're a 501c3, and your kind donations help to keep us sustained on the air. It's pretty obvious when you compare what goes on here to mainstream media why we need such media outlets as A Better World. So thank you again, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I look forward to seeing you all next time.